I'm Robin Amlo of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Paul Nilsson, Commercial Director and Managing Director, Africa CIS and Global SaaS for Codebase Technologies. We're talking about neobanks and challenger banks in Africa. Africa, big continent, lots of countries, different regulatory regimes. How much of a challenge is it to set up a challenger? Great question. Obviously, you know, from a regulatory point of view, Africa has led in mobile money uh, over many years with the onset of M-Pesa and then that going further, you know, into, into other regions of the globe. But I think Africa, especially in East Africa with Safaricom, the M-Pesa rollout was definitely a game changer in the financial sector. And it's something that the central banks were following. They came behind and wrote the regulations around the mobile money following what the mobile network operators were doing. In such, the mobile network operators obviously not regulated within the finance sector, but mostly in the communication sector within those countries. So that led to a slight change in the way of thinking. And unfortunately, only now due to COVID have the regulators realized that digitization is key. It has to happen. With neobanks coming up, it's basically yet another competitor to the banks like the M-Pesa was back in the day. So I think the central banks are starting to think outside the box and really trying to assist the financial industry within the African continent to explore digitization, SaaS, and basically be able to lessen the the issues around data sovereignty so that guys, you know, the banks can rapidly expand. Well, that's looking at it from the bank's point of view. What about the consumers? Is there a consumer appetite for these new institutions? I think most definitely because of a, a couple of things, but one of the most important factors that one needs to remember is Mobile money has done great things in Africa in reaching the unbanked. It's brought a lot of people into the into transacting, which is basically the first fundamental move of moving anybody out of poverty is to get them to transact. However, the cost of mobile money is more expensive than banked money or money within the financial sector. Naturally, if you're going to remove money from a financial sector and play with it, in a communications environment and call them beans or potatoes and then bring them back in. There's a cost involved in that cash in and cash out stages. So the cost of money is more expensive in, in, in the mobile network scene. So bringing it back into the financial sector and consumers being able to transact within the financial sector, not leaving it, it should naturally be a cheaper way of transacting. So it's going to benefit everybody. So what is the impact of the neobanks and the challenger banks on local economies? You you obviously say it's going to be a good thing for the financial sector itself and it's going to be cheaper for people. Are we seeing any impact on local economies yet? Are we seeing any impact on the traditional banks? Are they moving into the future? Yeah, that's that's quite quite a question. But let me try to start off with the actual traditional neobank that's now coming up as what I called previously the, the new mobile money operator, providing a bit more competition to the, to the traditional banks. Those guys are moving because of the bureaucracy around transacting. 
And how easy is it to open up a bank account? How easy is it to transact, et cetera? These neobanks are changing the way things happen traditionally, especially in a lending framework. Now, remembering lending is probably the most sought after product across the African continent. So for any startup lender, naturally neobank is on the front of any board discussion or any strategy discussion that they have. The banks themselves, because of COVID, realize people don't come into the banking hall anymore. So how am I going to talk to my customers? How am I going to remain relevant with my customers? Because if I sit in a board meeting and the board turns around and says, what's my year-on-year customer acquisition growth been? Most banks are going to be reporting a negative growth. The only way to, well, one would obviously then say the board's next question would be, what are you doing about it? And the obvious thing for that would be, let's go the route of a digital arm. And the first thing that you need to do from a digital arm is digital onboarding. How can you attract customers digitally without them coming to your, to your branch? And then if that question is, if, if that answer is given, then naturally financial inclusion becomes a no-brainer because the first step into any financial inclusion program is to be able to onboard anybody, anywhere, anytime. So now financial inclusion is not about how you're going to go hug a tree or kiss a crocodile. It is now actually how you're going to attract people into the financial sector, which is the beginning of the end for poverty and any economy. That's how the traditional banks are responding. How is the marketplace evolving? Is it too early to say, in fact, how the marketplace is evolving? I, I think from a, from a pure neobank perspective, it is too early to see, although those, those that have come about, and there's a lot of talk about them, so everybody's, everybody's talking about digital only, everybody's talking about what's happened to Resolute and all these big players, um, there's massive expansion happening with some of the larger players out of the Russian market into the rest of the, the world. And everybody's talking about it. Africa, I must say, is probably ahead of the game because we've got mobile money. So the impact is not necessarily going to be seen immediately, but it's going to be a slow progression of who can offer the best and the cheapest service for what I want to do as a customer. So I think it's maybe a bit too early in the African continent from, from a neobank perspective, but I think times are changing very rapidly and it's, it's, it's probably the most exciting time in the financial sector ever, or at least in my 26 years. The key thing is the technology. The key thing is KYC. It is get the customer on board, get the customer identified so that you can transact with them and they can transact with you. One of the things I would also add to that or suggest to you to add to that is the fact that in Africa, that kind of credit decisioning that is going to be required will be using alternative data. It will not be the classical go into a bank, prove income, etc. You know, every single country has got its own little tweaks when it comes to KYC. If you look at, and I keep coming back to mobile money because it's very strong in Africa, but if you look at the mobile money onboarding requirements, it's a lot less than what the requirements would be if you're in the financial sector onboarding with a bank. The same goes for neobanks. The KYC is a bit less than what it would be if you're going into a fully-fledged uh, uh, banking institution. 
So that is something that needs to be looked at on a on a case by case basis, country by country basis. Obviously, there are watch lists, there are AML checks that need to be done, but all those KYC requirements, because of the digital transformation that's been happening over so many years, is a lot less cumbersome than what it was even two years ago. What people can now do with their mobile phones, and one of the main aspects to look at when you're looking at digital KYC, the eKYC factor, is you have to look at mobile penetration on the continent because that's the basis of collecting all the data. Once that, and mobile penetration in Africa is growing astronomically. So once you hit critical mass numbers of mobile penetration and the amount of mobile devices that are going out, EKYC becomes a no-brainer. It becomes easy to do. It, it helps the regulators. And coming back to the regulators, regulating from behind, that also remains the case because now the financial institutions are sitting and saying, I have to do X, Y, Z. My competitors don't have to. How can I do this streamlined and how can you assist me, Mr. Central Bank, in achieving your ultimate goal, because the central banks are also feeling it. Everybody has suffered financially, or everybody knows somebody who suffered financially during the COVID pandemic. Everybody knows somebody who, who got their income cut or lost their job, and everybody's looking for lending products. That's that's on everybody's at the top of everybody's mind. If you do not sort out your EKYC issues, which is the beginning point, it's it's the starting block of the race you can't actually progress any further. So each country needs to look on a case-by-case basis. However, there are so many third parties that banks can collaborate with to be able to streamline that process and make it a lot easier for themselves. Paul Nielsen, Commercial Director, Managing Director, Africa, CIS and Global SAS for Codebase Technologies. Thank you very much.